0: Remind me, we should talk about the stuff that's actually on Patreon.
1: Okay, Rob, we should talk about the stuff that's
0: actually on Patreon. <laughs> Captain the
2: table. Yes. That is. <laughs> is
3: yes.
0: It's sort of amazing that we've made it this far in our occult pad, pad, pod occult Pad-casting. podcasting. <laughs> I can't say podcast, which is weird. <laughs> is you podcast? just said it. Because it's what we're doing. Hmm. It's weird, though, that we've made it this far in our podcasting adventures, without talking more about Frederick Myers. But today we're finally going to get around to giving the man his own episode and sort of remedy that that fault in our plan. After his death, one of the most important books in Western psychology, written by Myers, was published and promptly ignored. (laughs) So one of the most (laughs) important books for people like me, but for like other people... No, but it's we will bring it back. Yeah, we're bringing it back today. The title says it all, Human Personality and Its Survival of Bodily Death.
4: Hmm.
0: Don't need any more than that.
4: Okay. That's an aesthetic.
0: Let's mm. get going. That
1: goes really well with our podcast uh, theme for this season. I thought so. Yeah,
0: Good job, Rob. Thanks. My name is Rob, <laughs> Rob Thompson. I am the Supreme Hierophant of the secret order order. I am in a mess today. My name is, is no rights, we can't.
2: That no, oh, spies from no, mass that trap. was less than three seconds. Yeah, that's true. Mm. Or 30.
0: My name is Rob. I am the supreme hierophant of our secret order of alchemical actors. Yeah, you are. And professor of occult studies. I am yeah. joined here by Olivia Litterall to my left, making all of those encouraging sounds. <laughs> yep.
2: Hype man. I'm your hype man. Hype
0: man. Hype manning me. Her sister Brianna is to her left.
2: Aye.
0: Oh. Aye. She's not a <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's.
3: She's a pirate today. She's bringing her pirate. <laughs> I meant to say hi, but it didn't work. Aye.
0: <laughs> Savannah Verrett. Is to her left. Aye. <laughs> okay, we're all just yeah. doing the pirate thing. James, you gotta break this up for us. And James Kaplan just. Hello. Okay. All right. Fine. Okay. Fine. I don't, what, I don't know. What? Maybe a Swedish yodelist. <laughs> from Hello. from the mountains. Hello, or just a European tourist. Toodaloo. <laughs> um, today. We gratefully receive the occult confession of one Frederick W.H. Myers. This, my friends, is occult confessions. We, we the members, members of, of the, the secret, secret order of alchemical actors, do solemnly, solemnly commit ourselves to a full
1: and honest telling of, of the history of the occult as far as, as we, we
0: know, know it. it. Alright, I'm going to do a little editorializing here for a moment, if you'll... Bear with me. Why, why, by episode five, I'm asking the question, why have we devoted so much time to the soul? The reason I started this podcast in general is to put a voice out there clearly opposing what I consider to be the tired, reductive concept of us as random accidents randomly popped into being on a random planet in the middle of nowhere. While it may seem like Bible Thumpers, who I love as people, are the dominant group in this country that's really not the case and it hasn't been for a long while right we think that you know the conservative voice the traditional voice the american voice is this protestant christian one i really don't think that's true in 2018 i think the the voice is really an atheistic scientistic voice Um, most people grow up or grew up to adapt an atheistic or what I consider to be an apathetic agnostic worldview. That's very well said. Mm. <laughs> 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 who's, who's my hype man now?
2: <laughs> yeah you gotta step it up? A I mean that's anymore. our entire generation. Yeah,
0: I uh, am. Yeah. Yes. Um, not just yours though, I, I think it's across it's the scary. board. You know, we see people stepping away from organized religion. Um, We see Europe becoming increasingly secularized. The United States is sort of sharply divided, but uh, I think there's just this loss of belief in anything bigger than ourselves. And we're sort of trapped with no alternative between fundamentalists who think dinosaur bones are the work of Satan.
2: Uh, correct. <laughs> and
0: a bleak, cold, careless cosmos uh, spoused by pop scientists on nature channels. I guess I'm not naming any of them. I'm being very vague.
2: If dinosaurs yeah. weren't created by Satan, then...
0: Then what is Satan really doing with his time? I'm changing yeah. religions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Satan has really got to get on it. The truth is we were wrong to give up on the soul, in my opinion, and the immortal mind as well. If we realize that there's more to us than just fancy apes and more to apes even than just dumb humans, if we can see <laughs> the breath of God, if I can get poetic for here for a moment, if we can see the breath of God in the world, then maybe all the nonsense conspiracies and political controversies and environmental degradation we're visiting on each other will fall away. If we understand that there's more to us, that we're part of something bigger that we don't understand, then maybe we'll go out of our way to take it easier on each other and ourselves. Because if it's all just a random cosmic accident, then none of it matters. So why should any of us care much about what happens at all? And that's really what we're after in this podcast. Finally, you know (laughs) all these episodes and why I've been doing this. To show how the fundamental questions about who we are and what life is all about are, contrary to atheistic analysis, far from being answered. Anyone who tells you they know if you have a soul or if there's a God is lying. They do not know. They don't have the answer. And here uh, we are with this podcast to show the degree to which these questions are far from being answered. A mystery remains. And in that mystery hides a real possibility for the soul and for God and for ghosts and immortal minds and all the funky stuff that we tend to uh, play around with in the occult world. So it's not just occult confessions, right, to talk about weird things. Talking about weird things is, um, I think, one of the most important things we could be doing right now because it reminds us that there are still mysteries to be solved and that there is more to us than just bodies that die. Let me just. uh, Okay, that's Can it. Like yeah, up, yeah. Like uplifting
2: and depressing at the yeah. same time. I love it. My, Mixed that's my. That's <laughs> right there. That's my target. Yeah. Right, that's what I go for. I know, cause we're all sitting around doing a podcast. <laughs>
0: yeah. In in white and black makeup. I thought, um, I thought we did it for the money. Yep. <laughs> this <is our> Patreon. <laughs> That was a good one. For the big bucks. (laughs) Let me (laughs) me just cite some of our sources and get that out of the way uh, before we get started here on our fifth part of our soul adventure. I'm drawing quite a bit on a book called Irreducible Mind, uh, which I have been on and off throughout this series. That's edited by Edward and Emily Williams Kelly and Jeffrey J. Kripal's book Authors of the Impossible, which I highly recommend. Lots of fun. Also, articles from the SPR as well as the Academy for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies. That's that's a, I gotta get hanging out with those guys. That sound like you actually should sound like mm-hmm. a good time. Where are they? Good morning, boys. I'm gonna guess Europe. That's probably a better guess <laughs> them. <than Field laughs> <Des Moines. laughs> yeah, okay. I don't. I can't remember actually. But I'll, uh, i I guess I wasn't really planning on tracking them down. But now we well, we, Now we should. We are going field Ooh. trip. Yeah. If you could hop on Patreon and pay for our field trip to the Academy <laughs> for Spiritual and Consciousness Studies. We will podcast an episode to you. Okay, so back to Frederick Myers. Let's get to Frederick Myers. Uh, We haven't even bothered. Let's do it now. (laughs) He was not formally trained as a psychologist, but when he was born in 1843 in uh, Kenswick, Cumberland, England, there was no established discipline of psychology, and there wouldn't be proper departments of psychology at colleges and universities until the 1880s, so we can forgive him for not being a psychologist because there were no such things. It's like blaming somebody for not being an astronaut in 1750.
1: Mm. Oh yeah. Because they
0: <laughs> they hadn't invented space yet. <laughs> right. They they were just perplexed by whatever was happening up above them all the time, um, until Isaac Newton pointed up and said, "Apples." Things are falling. <laughs> <laughs> space. Um, everyone was figuring uh, psychology out as they went along. He graduated from Trinity College, Cambridge, in 1864. Lost his faith in the survival of human consciousness after death around eighteen sixty nine, but he was plagued by his agnosticism as we all should be.
2: Thank you Wait, for saying.
4: Wait, can yeah. we fast? Yeah. Define agnosticism real fast. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Friends. Yeah.
1: Agnosticism um, <laughs> is like it's not. It's different than atheism because it's a different word and what it means. <laughs> I've always. I feel been... like it's kind of like an. Amb- Ambi- uh, ambiguous yeah, you're kind right. of belief. Yeah. Right on, you James You believe in it.
2: something yeah. you just aren't ready to say. That's what that is. You're, oh, okay. you're non-committal. Yeah. See, so that's what I thought. You're not well, committing to God, to but you're like, there's probably
0: something. Atheists are technically believers because they believe there is no God. Mm-hmm. Agnostics yeah. just say, menina. yeah, enema, <laughs> enema." No, I no. hope not. <laughs> enema. Oh. You may need one. Oh. Anyway.
2: Call oh, your doctor.
0: <laughs> this public service announcement brought to you by James Keplanchis, proctologist. Um, and and he, missed on the road. He felt his agnosticism like a dull pain, um, for which you may need an enema, until he caught on to the mediumship of William Stanton Moses in the early 1870s. Now, Moses is an interesting guy. Uh, and he's someone we should probably uh, devote an episode to at some point down the line. I've got to do a bit more research on him first. Uh, but for our purposes today, he was an ordained priest of the Church of England and also a spiritualist medium who talked to dead people. He channeled a group of not one dead people, but 49 spirits, led by a oh. figure named Imperator.
2: I just want to That's like... scary. No, 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 no. It's
1: that like metal.
0: Really metal. Yeah, it's very metal. Very <laughs> Imperator. <laughs> Brianna's. I think most of her job here is to identify metal things. It is. Whenever it a metal really is. thing comes up, Brianna's our detector. She goes off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She starts beeping. <laughs> yes. We'll reset her. Imperator <laughs> was a higher spirit of the seventh sphere. Is that metal?
1: No. It's just all it's, metal. It's I I mean, kind of. Pretty... Are we working
0: away?
3: I can get of the seventh sphere. Uh, It's like a subtle. That's a band
0: album. (laughs) (laughs) So Imperator's job was to perform certain spiritual work through Moses before uh, going back to the spheres. Let's hear from Moses.
1: The history of the world has been the story of the struggle between the evil and the good, between God and goodness on one side and ignorance, vice, and evil, spiritual, mental, and corporeal on the other side. At certain times of which this is one, extraordinary efforts are made. The army of the messengers of God is massed in greater force. Men
0: are influenced, knowledge is spread, and the end draws nigh. Moses was attended by table-tilting, mysterious lights and musical sounds, scents, which came from a substance oozing from his head.
4: (sighs) Where from his head? What? I mean, Where? how did it come out of his head? Yeah, like which ear? His mouth.
0: I think all of them. Oh, oh.
2: like uh, what was that movie?
0: Usapia Palladino used to have it ooze out of um, all of her. The seance. Orifices.
2: Yeah. Where all the stuff comes um, out of his head when he's d- like, is it like that? Which probably? Movie was that? I don't just know. I like, it's a Very popular horror film. Um, Crap. Never mind. <laughs>
0: anyway, he had that happen. Uh, And he communicated in trance um, uh, and direct communication from a voice that came from a disembodied source. So not only did he communicate in trance, but just like above him. Sometimes somebody would talk. Did you guys come up with a movie? It's haunting in Connecticut. (laughs) Haunting in Connecticut. All the uh, best horror movies happen in Connecticut. Wait a
4: second. I don't know what you mean by, what did you say about him? Disembodied
0: voice. Something happening above him? So he could either speak directly as Imperator from his mouth. Right out of his mouth parts. Or you could, like, hear Imperator, oh. but it wasn't in his mouth parts.
4: Oh, okay, awesome.
3: yeah,
0: that's pretty awesome. That's <laughs> pretty metal, yeah. <Very> nice. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> so we got a metal score of two so far. Um, Myers and his associate from the SPR, Edmund Gurney, were very impressed by what they witnessed, since the physical phenomena they'd encountered up to that point weren't especially persuasive. But Moses wasn't interested in sharing his physical phenomena with the wide world which was strange. If you were able to do all these hmm. wacky things at this period, you generally go at, went out and attracted Even an now. audience. Yeah. He said, nope, hmm. I do not want an audience. He wanted to know what the messages Imperator and his crew had to share about the nature of the spirit world were all about. That's all he was interested in, was getting this communication complete and hmm. to share with the world. And to that end, he developed the ability of automatic writing, which he proceeded to do alone in the privacy of his home. So Automatic he was, writing? Okay, so automatic, yes. Uh, automatic writing is when... Uh, you hold the pen and your hand goes it's oh.
2: so hard to do mm-hmm. yeah like yeah. i've I tried it imagine. a couple of times yeah. just to like see and it's just it's really cause, like, did
0: you write hard. anything
2: no because sometimes i've been able to get into what i'm pretty sure is a trance but yeah. like i can't i've tried automatic writings it's supposed to be like one of like not the easiest but like the more natural ones to try yeah and it's really hard i don't know how people do it is it supposed to be words or symbols it can be anything. it can be yeah, anything
0: yeah but it comes from the spirit as long as it's not coming from you yeah uh, so basically he's able to do all these crazy things and he says nope i'm done doing all these things i'm just gonna sit in a closet and write yeah,
4: yeah that sounds I mean. Right. yeah it's a good source i guess what like a guy.
0: closet he wrote a bunch of stuff what? <laughs> That's I, I, a clue, yeah. It doesn't have to be a closet. All right. Uh, so going back to uh, Myers, he, he not only studied uh, the work of Stain Moses, uh, but he also wrote a bunch of really notable books. The first of Myers' books was Phantasms of the Living, which he co-wrote with Edmund Gurney and Frank Ma- Podmore. And that detailed hundreds of cases of people witnessing the projected spirits of living human beings. So you're alive. Oof and you project your spirit out of your living body. Often this would happen as a person was dying. On their deathbed, their spirit would suddenly appear in one or several of uh, friends' homes at a remote distance, and uh, the, the spirit would then convey detailed information that the friend could not have had by any other means. Let's hear a couple of examples from Phantasms of the Living.
5: June 1884. On New Year's Eve 1852, I woke about 12:40 a.m. and found my room so brilliantly illuminated that I imagined I'd forgotten to put out my candle and that something must have caught fire. I got up and looking around, saw at the foot of the bed a coffin resting on chairs, on each of which was a silver candlestick with a large wax taper alight. In the coffin was a figure of my father. I put out my hand and touched him when it became quite dark. The next morning I told my friend, with whom I was staying at Paris at the time, and on the morning of the 2nd of January, we received a letter from Marseille, saying that my father had died suddenly at 1240 on New Year's Eve, and that he had expressed such a strong wish to see his youngest child, myself, again just before his death, E.A. Schmidt. December, 1883, my present housemaid's mother, Ellen Williams, one night, 1872, distinctly and suddenly felt a pressure, as if someone's hand upon her breast, at the same time heard a voice of her son, and then a lad at sea saying, Mother, Father. She told her husband at once, and that she was sure it was her boy's voice, and that she feared that there was something the matter with him. When they saw the notice of the arrival of the ship in Liverpool, they wrote at once. A reply came from the captain, that the boy had died of yellow fever six days out from Rio de Janeiro given the date which corresponded exactly as the mother's note of the occurrence. Witness my mark, Ellen Williams.
0: In a time when telegraphs were the most prevalent form of communication, information was harder to come by and so easier to prove as being miraculously shared. These letters are accompanied by further documentation confirming dates and notes from additional witnesses. 1873 began a significant saga in the life of Frederick Myers. He fell in love with his cousin's wife, Annie oh, no. Hill Marshall.
4: Ooh. There's yeah. always an
0: That's Annie a messy. or an Annie that people fall in love with. Annie, Mary, is sort of the major names it's, of the century. It's because like it's easy to say. Victoria. Is that,
3: is that why? James Probably.
0: <laughs> By all accounts, Meyer's feelings for her were truly passionate, and they spent long hours together, but they stayed within the boundaries of Victorian respectability, so you can get your heads out of the gutter, mm. given uh, that they were both married to other people. Marshall's husband, Walter, was mentally ill and had to be committed to a psychiatric institution in 1876 for his manic and reckless behavior. In July, Myers was touring the Norwegian fjords. Those are
2: just Like you do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What? Yeah, but they're Norwegian ones. They're Norwegian ones, yeah. Norwegian coastal mountains. I know, but... He was touring them with his brother, Arthur. Mm. While he was away, Annie, guilt-stricken over her husband's confinement, stabbed herself in the neck with a Holy pair of scissors.
3: Holy crap. I thought,
0: <laughs> I thought she oh. drowned. Is that <laughs>
3: appropriate? I don't know. I she... that, that's metal that she <clears> stabbed herself? And you're
0: right, James. Um, after she stabbed herself in the neck with the scissors, what did you say, you thought that she had drowned? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Um, um, when that proved ineffectual, she threw herself into a lake. Whoa. Ooh. That's yeah.
4: weird that you just said that, though.
0: I read it. Oh, still know. Know. <laughs> Well, never mind. Yeah, so Just, yeah, she was sort of like um, Seneca, right? Opened his, his veins, but he couldn't bleed out, so they stuck him in a bath. Oh,
4: yeah, I remember that guy.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, she was one of those people, multiple deaths. Uh, the search for her spirit became a significant quest in Meyer's life. Aww. So after she died, he tried to contact her through the means of mediums.
4: That's sad. Wait, did we an talk about that in, a last, in like, the last season or something? why mediums don't try and reach out to their loved
0: yeah. ones? Yeah, well, Myers was not a medium himself. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. He studied mediums. Yeah. Moses was the first of the mediums that he mm. investigated.
1: Because of uh, the dead woman?
0: He wanted to reach out to, yes, the dead Annie. Yeah, Annie, That's yeah. Annie Hall. Um, according to uh, Jeffrey J. Kripal, Myers' widow systematically excised Annie Marshall from all of Myers' writing after his death in kripal's opinion his masterwork human personality and its survival of bodily death published in 1903 was largely about his efforts to reconnect with annie mm-hmm. but if you read it today you won't see Annie reflected at all in the pages myers theorized a two-tiered model for the conscious mind not unlike freud's we have for myers a supraliminal and a subliminal consciousness the Concept of a subliminal consciousness should be fairly familiar to us, subliminal advertising and things like this. What, is, what does "liminal" mean? Between. Between. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Uh, the superliminal is the ego, what Freud called the ego, your conscious mind. It's what we're focused on in the present moment. Our attention is directed from perception to perception and thought to thought. It's what you're thinking about now, which I hope is this podcast. <laughs> um, the subliminal kind of consciousness is more like Freud's subconscious, uh, but theorized very differently. When I talk about Freud's con- concept of the subconscious in my classes, I call it the trash heap of the brain. That's
1: right. Mm-hmm.
0: For Freud, the subconscious where, is where all of our instinctual urges and past traumas went to transform into sexual fetishes and dark neuroses.
3: Mm. Thank you. You'd like, you like that?
0: <laughs> yay, fetishes and neuroses.
2: Whoa. I'm the type man.
0: Put your mark on that. Myers had a very different view. Myers believed that most of our mental experience was actually subliminal and that our supraliminal mind was moving around in the larger sort of pool of subliminal mental consciousness, sort of like an eye or a light shining on different aspects of the totality that is our inner life. This includes our instinctual drives, but also higher dimensions of perception and abilities. Like seeing auras. Yeah. Mm. Telepathy. And, yeah. Talking to the dead. Mm. So this is all encompassed within this giant pool of consciousness that is us. We called it the cloud in the last episode. Mm. We have this great big cloud of consciousness and... Um, it's sort of like it's all in the dark but then this little eye that is our consciousness goes around like a flashlight lighting up different parts of that dark pool mm-hmm. that is our our subliminal mind i mean you can see how that's different from freud right yes yeah, yeah, because it has supernatural ability because it it's us like we are really this it's not the leftovers of us it's the primary what we are is this mm-hmm. big dark pool that's you know for freud that's not the case it's it might be big and scary but it is big and scary for Myers, it's not scary it's not trash it's everything and it's full of wonderful and beautiful things as well as dark and scary things we can understand this idea using the light spectrum at the bottom of the spectrum the infrared region we have our more primitive drives that we generally don't think much about food sleep sex these are well Sex is a bit higher, because um, it takes a little work. You have to talk somebody else into it. In this day and age. Yeah. Um, you should
2: talk yeah. someone else into it.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always talk someone else into it before having sex. But
2: not aggressively. Yeah, yeah like, not, not aggressively.
3: Well,
0: it... We'll it, do this it's, PSA it's later. It's complicated. It's <laughs> um, At the other end of the spectrum, we have our ultraviolet mental functioning skills that we haven't yet evolved the capacity to use in any regular way, like telepathy and astral projection. So our consciousness has this full range going down to must eat, must sleep, and all the way up to I can talk to dead people and the infrared we're more able to see than the ultraviolet. The roving eye of our consciousness has only been able to make use of those mental capacities that have directly aided our survival so far hunting a woolly mammoth doesn't require the ability to psychically discern the previous owner of an antique necklace
3: mm-hmm. you never know man
0: <laughs> <laughs> the owner of this necklace had a special technique for hunting the <laughs> <laughs> So um, for that reason, we haven't evolved to the point where we're regularly accessing this ultraviolet dimension of astral projection and things. But the potential to achieve psychic levels of consciousness still exists inside of every one of us and has since the dawn of the species. Even our caveman ancestors had these capacities. They just didn't use them because, or they didn't develop them, they didn't evolve them because it wasn't necessary vis-a-vis woolly Mm -hmm. mammoths. <clears throat> the better we master the lower skills of conscious experience says Myers, the less attention we have to give them and the more developed our superconscious selves can become so the fact that we have supermarkets now is awesome for our psychic abilities because we don't have to worry about wooly mammoths anymore we just have to walk up the street i
3: wasn't sure where that was going <laughs> pick up
0: some food and we're good hungry go to the fridge Right, mm-hmm. um, And that means we can now begin to develop our minds toward these psychic abilities. We'll evolve. Over time, we'll begin to evolve to become more psychic because our mm-hmm. brains are less focused on feeding us because it's so easy.
1: Unless we get distracted with uh, phone applications.
0: <laughs> uh, dark stuff, James. <laughs> but entirely possible, yes, that we will... Um, yeah, evolve ourselves into a little dark hole that we'll have to then crawl back out of to achieve our psychic potential. Myers would not be thrilled, I think, with the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, not even thrilled with the iPhone. Yeah, but but I'm then definitely how would people her? listen to this podcast. That's true. All right. Oh, yeah. It brings, it's, but, you yeah, know, I feel like there's better ways.
2: What? Suggest them to the people then. I mean,
3: like online, but like you still have to have a device. We can sell cassettes. Internet. Olivia's face just
1: lit up.
0: (laughs) She's all for these cassettes.
2: I saw the cassette player. Um,
0: Yeah, if for a generous donation on Patreon, we, (laughs) I can figure out how to produce a full analog version of Occult Confessions for your listening pleasure. (laughs) Um, so whereas Freudian unconscious could take on the characteristics of a kind of vault that we need to pry open with something like dream analysis Meyer saw the subliminal as having a relatively permeable boundary with our superliminal waking consciousness so that our subliminal selves are regularly bleeding into and shifting the location of our conscious light through our vast complex inner being
3: I like that more yeah, right. It makes sense to me more. I don't know. For those of you
0: who aren't Freudians, um, his basic concept of dream analysis is that, um, that the, th- the things that we have a hard time remembering, the things that we have to struggle to remember about our dreams, are the keys to the meaning of our dreams. And it's because our subconscious is sort of perpetually hiding from us. So we have to break our way into it. We have to trick our way into understanding it.
3: I mean, like, to some degree, but I don't. Know. I don't, I don't yeah, think fully... From an occult perspective, I think to some degree there's some sort of blockage, but I think that's
2: the time that's supposed to be the easiest to access that yeah. part of yourself. Yeah.
1: Right, but then when
0: you're awake, right, it's when and you're making conscious. your toast.
2: Yeah, but you have to train yourself. Yeah. To see, do that. I can just kind of.
0: And it, Myers is saying yes, out. this is a natural part of what we should be able to do. The I like. There should be a pull, a push, and pull, a spilling.
1: Mm-hmm. I like this idea that you know the ethereal or the supernatural is elusive to it's it's slippery mm. to us you know when we f- when we start to think about it it's
0: it, it avoids us It slips away from it us. slips away from us I think that's true too yeah yeah, yeah.
1: some quantum stuff different. we can talk about that next time.
0: According to the (laughs) Kellys, or on a James episode for our Patreon listeners, according to the Kellys, uh, what Myers wanted to do was create a system that included the abnormal as part of a larger picture of how the world works, rather than exclude it because it didn't fit into the system the way academic psychology had defined it. Let's take one of Myers' apparitions of the living. Your basic run-of-the-mill materialist scientist would say that an apparition of the living is just a delusion or a hallucination. And the fact that death happens to occur at the same time, just a coincidence.
4: But are there such things as coincidences? Ah, (laughs) yes.
0: In the vast collection of these stories, of which Myers has hundreds and hundreds, it's difficult to explain the body of evidence away as a whole conspiracy of coincidences. Here, the world, the way science has defined it, is excluding the possibility of phenomena because they don't fit into the rules for how the world works. But good science is about giving up your rules so that you can make sense of any evidence that presents itself. Right? That's kind of paradoxical. Assuming that these apparitions are delusions is putting the conclusion before the experiment. But we see this pretty often. Yeah. Whenever anything purportedly supernatural or paranormal occurs, it's just, oh, well, I can explain that without studying it. It must be this, that, or the other. you got to study it. You
3: fit it into what you want it to be. (laughs) Right.
0: The world works this way. We've already decided that. Therefore, this isn't part of it. But what if it is, says Myers? We've got to face up to the reality of all the weird things on the fringes of human experience and expand the way we understand our minds and our existence so that it encompasses everything. Myers offers lots of evidence for this idea, from hypnotism to near-death experiences to mysticism and trance. We've already talked about dissociative identity disorder, or multiple personalities, in our last episode, and we've talked about memory. Today, we're going to bring the discussion home by turning to mysticism and genius. Let's talk about mysticism. Let's, we're starting with a category of experience that comes most obviously into the scopes of the paranormal in mystical encounters I'm going to lean heavily here on Kelly and Grasso's essay in uh, Irreducible Mind these are wildly controversial in the social sciences and specifically in the subfield of religious studies focused on religious experience so we are giving you a kind of fringe view but it's an academic view by people who have studied this at length and come to what we I consider to be reasonable conclusions we'll see if I persuade my alchemical actors. Yeah, let's see. William James and Carl Jung were two other big-name psychologists from the turn of the century that believed in the reality of mystical experiences, so certainly we're not alone. Let's just lay that out. So let's define our terms before we get into it. For the religious experience, folks, mysticism is an encounter with a state of pure consciousness. I see. This is... uh, (laughs) Kind of deep meditation, a uh, kind of trance that puts you in touch with divine beings. You're immersed okay. by a power that's bigger than you are. You are in the mind of God.
3: Sounds horrifying. Yeah, that does sound pretty <laughs> That definition makes it sound a
0: little, a little rough. Let's uh, play with Jacob Bohm for a second. Um, he's a great Can source. We
3: ask Can we yes? first? <laughs> I think we need consent. Dear Jacob Bohm.
0: <laughs> there we go. May we play? Should we wait for a response? Because he's been no, he dead for like fine. 500 years. It's okay. <laughs> um, he's a great source for occultists because uh, while he was a good Protestant German, his visions opened up a whole new way of thinking about the soul and God. He was tortured by discrepancies between the Old and New Testament gods and the problem of evil or theodicy.
2: I only read those at 5 a.m.
0: Th- All... Theodicies? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> um, are, you think, are you thinking about the Odyssey? No,
2: because <laughs> all of the yeah. different like, theodicies people come up oh, with. Oh, like, philosophical yeah. arguments yeah. about yes. the existence of evil. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, so Bohm has this problem as well. You are a, a latter-day Bohm. You are the Joseph Smith of Boehm's. <laughs> yep. He dwelled on these things until one day he had a mystical vision prompted by gazing at the reflection of light in a pewter cup. I should
2: probably try that. Yeah, you
0: should get a pewter cup hmm. if you don't have one. And, I'll call mom later. But, I say, but you we have a
3: bunch in our house.
0: Yeah, don't stare at it. He just it caught him, it caught his eye.
3: Sometimes just, I just kind of sit yeah. in our dining room and stare at them.
0: He good. <laughs> you're on. You're on the path. <laughs> he learned about how God came into being and saw that we were microcosms of God, living in the space between His wrath and love, in an area where light and dark, good and evil, do battle. Mm.
1: Mm. Battle.
4: Mm. So. That sounds violent. Wait. So he was saying that we we're in God's mind. And that's a more part of like the subconscious of
0: God? Yeah. Okay. The gate was opened to me, that in one quarter of an
1: hour, I saw and knew more than if I had been many years together at a university. For I saw and knew the being of all beings. I saw in myself all the three worlds, namely the divine, the dark, and the external and visible
0: world. And I saw and knew the whole working essence. In the evil and the good and the original and the existence of each of them. There's a common core to mystical experience. Mystics feel that their experiences possess a reality. It's also very positive, often with life-altering consequences, giving them greater perspective and appreciation, sort of like a near-death experience. And this comes complete with a powerful emotional experience. And the encounter is beyond articulation. It doesn't fall inside the boundaries of our terrestrial logic and language. The Buddha, having meditated for 40 days under the Bodhi tree, saw the truth and the path to enlightenment. Jesus of Nazareth wandered the woods where he confronted and rejected Satan and came back with a plan for his ministry. These are the mystical experiences, like bones, that reveal greater truths. They both involve trees.
4: Yep you
3: might have missed the
1: point but a it's bit. <laughs> i'm looking deep Savannah. So <laughs> i just think me. that
3: it's so interesting <laughs> because like so many different like beliefs like they can they have that same theme like in mm-hmm. mind like odin he like went through he, he gave up his eyes so he could give get like the runes and the knowledge to use them in magic and shit
0: did it take 40 days
3: it was like like seven or five days and nights.
0: <laughs> he seven. took less well, seven time. Too. It was seven. Well, both the Buddha and Jesus. But he Jesus. also
3: hung from a tree, like by his yeah. toes. There's a tree,
0: there's your tree. And yep. his I mean, eye got
3: removed and thrown in a well. Hmm.
2: You know.
0: In Water. Yeah. The Jesus and Buddha, actually, there's a lot of connections. Odin, I don't know so much, well, <laughs> that even... sounds like less so. But it was 40 days and 40 nights for both of them. Mm. Uh, both of them were tempted by demons. Uh, Satan in Jesus's case, or something like Satan, and in Buddha's case, Mara, uh, Mara yeah, the tempter. Um, so very similar stories.
3: See, that just corresponds through a lot of religions that you look at. Yeah, it's just really Is Odin
0: tempted by a thing?
3: Well, somebody's a... like, "Hey,
0: don't you want to keep those eyes?" He's like,
3: "No." Well. <laughs> 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 you just
0: broke Brianna <laughs> He has to say no He must say no Because he gives him up Nobody's like like You want to keep him He's us?
3: not the person Who's ever been tempted It's the Because of how things started There is this evil Frost giant dude That the gods killed So he's trying to, to Make give. up for some stuff
0: yeah, yeah Pretty much Well so is Jesus eventually Yeah Yeah. And the Buddha In his way
4: Is there a significance to, Well I'm sure there is But what is Do you know what the significance is For the 40 days And the 40 nights
0: it's a, I mean, in in Judeo-Christian and in Asian religions, it's always a period of. Uh, I mean, it rains for forty days and forty nights in Noah's flood. There's a kind of mm-hmm. um, purging, cleansing, penance. Yeah, The Greeks believe
1: that it takes 40 days and 40 nights for the spirit to traverse into the uh, afterlife. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
1: I
0: feel like we've talked um, about this before. Yes, we have. We have,
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) (coughs) Here on Occult Confessions, uh, we will repeat ourselves periodically. The argument against the view that mysticism is a real thing with a common core of experience is that it's actually a social thing. So this are the people that say, nope, lies, there are no mystical experiences. Here's how it goes. We experience what we're told we're supposed to experience. So there's this uh thorny problem, but it's not necessarily insurmountable. So in other words, we have a mystical experience because we hear what it's supposed to be like, and then we have that experience based on what we hear. The existence of a common core across cultures is difficult to explain though.
2: It's the same as like alien abductions. You get
0: what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, there's mm-hmm. a common core to alien abductions, like therefore...
2: People know what they're supposed to say. When they think yeah. they
0: go through it, what they're actually going through is their own psychic, mm-hmm. um, but they've predisposed themselves to have yeah. these experiences. But it's weird that the Buddha and Jesus, having come from completely different cultures, and Odin coming from the ice, mm-hmm. icy Northlands, ones. Norway. Lands, Norway. <laughs> icy Norways. Um, would all have these similar encounters. Um, How would that be? Could they possibly be raised to have similar mystical experiences? Um, The Sufi mystics in Persia uh, on the Arabian Peninsula, also on the Arabian Peninsula, the Christian mystics going back through the ages in Europe, and the Buddhist and Taoist mystics in the Asian world all have very similar mystical experiences, even though they have incredibly different cultural backgrounds. It could be that humans share common teachings about mysticism, which explains the common core while leaving room for that mystical experience to be socially predetermined. We could resort to the supernatural feats performed by mystics then to answer this common core problem if we wanted to. There's the accomplishments of the yogis, for example, in India who come up in our series on the American occult, our very first series. Uh, Yogis are able to do all sorts of incredible things. Remember, they could cause plants to become fully grown from seeds in an hour or remove their intestines, Mm. put them back in again. How could we forget? Yeah. Um, Among Catholic saints, there's cases of people who've gone without eating for years or withstood direct contact with fire or boiling water without pain or injury um, and the giving off of an otherworldly glow. Um, I was just reading about Alan Bennett, who was an associate of Alistair Crowley's, who claimed to be able to withstand mosquitoes and leeches mm-hmm. in a similar fashion. That he could stick his arm in a, a river full of leeches and pull it out without any leeches, or lay in a cloud of mosquitoes and not be bitten.
3: Wow. I wish I could do that. <laughs> today, uh,
0: researchers investigate mysticism under laboratory conditions, fun fact, using LSD. Yo. And other psychotropic drugs. Yes, you too can sign like up you're for these trials. to
3: talk about conspiracies. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting here like trying not to
2: talk about certain Well, what
0: theories. do you got? What do you got conspiracies? There's
2: the government and the LSD experiments. Yeah, with all the
1: kids. What and about ship. it?
2: It goes back to like before Vietnam.
1: Yeah. I thought it would be after Vietnam.
0: But no. no. That's wow. Conspiracies. How does this tie in with uh, mysticism?
2: I don't think it does. <laughs> um, I think it's just, it's the just government a way to try and control people. us. Yeah, and break that's us. how they're
3: controlling they people. Would so they would use LSD
2: to, like, basically, as an Thought experimental drug to break people's minds. So oh, that to they could
0: break be, your mind. So that they could be yeah.
3: used for, like, spies and stuff. So, so they that, could yeah. rebuild you, like, so military guys. This yeah. was a
2: huge thing in, like, the 60s. Yeah. yeah.
0: These studies uh, revealed that there were tears to a drug induced mystical experience, one of them, I guess, being broken mm-hmm. the deepest tears opened individuals up to memories of their own birth encounters with spirits and other supernatural entities and memories of past lives
3: Your own birth yeah that's yeah. got to be a rough memory yeah. <laughs> oh
0: researchers well i mean as i recall and this hasn't been that long since i've been in the birth room for the baby
3: but but not can so you bad. know but can you imagine coming out of another person but like <laughs>
0: just, it's jarring, like, yeah. I think it's out. a jarring transition, like, don't get me wrong.
3: It's like going through a dark tunnel. Yeah, it, and like, you've got to be like, for, like, ah.
0: <laughs> researchers who study these kinds of things uh, view the brain as a kind of filtering mechanism. Our consciousness is capable of accessing everything that's ever happened to us and everything that's happened to anyone anywhere. Think about that.
1: Ooh, that's the, the subliminal.
0: Yeah, uh, and it's sort the of like cloud. the Jungian archetypes, too. Like yeah. We can access not just our cloud, but the clouds of anyone, anywhere.
2: Right, but you can't access them all at once. I wouldn't recommend it. You would just...
0: That's how the go, government breaks you. Would you. go <laughs> <insane> <laughs> you That's would, how the yeah. government gets you. <laughs> um, but this information would crush us, yes, as Olivia mm. is pointing out, um, if we had access to all, all of it. So... Um, Our brains contain and filter our consciousness, which is much bigger than the physical brain itself. So far, so
1: good. Yeah, I love that. That's beautiful. All
0: right. Um, So mysticism, though, I I think it's, um, as far as proof is concerned, I like it. I am interested in mystical experience. But there's another variant of mystical experience that we consider to be more natural and that we don't um, exclude from the, I guess, corpus of... Things that happen. Right? Is it yeah, called genius? It is indeed. <laughs> Very how how genius of you, James, to come to that conclusion. I remembered it. Yeah,
4: stop yeah. reading yeah. ahead. You Let's really take.
0: Stop reading ahead. Mysticism answered. Stop doing theology. your homework. You yeah. said it earlier, Savannah. Let's take another more natural angle on this, which is genius. Genius has similar qualities to mysticism, but is considered a natural aspect of our I of our it's lives. a better theory. Cause yeah. Let's hear from. F.W.H. Myers.
1: Genius should rather be regarded as a power of utilizing a wider range than other men can utilize of faculties in some degree innate in all. A power of appropriating the results of subliminal mentation to subserve the supraliminal stream of thought so that an inspiration of genius will be in truth a supraliminal uprush an emergence into the current of ideas which the man is consciously manipulating of other ideas which he has not consciously originated.
2: What the hell was that? Yeah, I, I literally no idea. I'm what lost. did he just say?
0: All right, so there's... I've never I been you. so concerned. I, <laughs> for the state of your mind? For his? his state of oh, mind. Okay. There's a couple of ways um, we can think about it. When I was in high school and I still did math problems, I would sometimes go to bed having not quite figured the problem out. My math teacher actually encouraged this. Sometimes, and often enough, you'd wake up having either solved the problem or made progress on it. Has anybody had this? Yes,
4: How kind of but not nice. with yeah. math. I've had it with video games. Yeah. Where, like, yeah, I can agree. Sometimes, that. you know, like bosses have certain tricks to them, or there's like puzzles mm-hmm. and video games, and you're like, I have no idea how to do this, and then you like go to sleep, and then you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, Oh my god, I know how to do it! Yeah. Like that
3: boss fight that took you, like you did it like ten times before you went to bed, and then the first thing you wake up and you get it done, and you're like, Ooh! Yep. But
0: think how much more useful it would be if you did it with math. math. Yeah. I've,
3: done it, I've done it with <laughs> math. <is useless>.
1: I've <laughs> done it, it with math useful. while driving to school. <laughs> Just like out of nowhere, I'm like, oh yeah, that that problem. Sometimes yeah, I that's figured happened that out. to
3: me, but not after sleep. Like, oh okay. After like I don't know, nope. eating. Yeah, I Mr. Eat Mr. Something.
0: Mm-hmm. Mr. gave me that tip. Mr. E spelled his name uh, with a four. The, the four was silent. That's hilarious. I like this guy. <laughs> Mr. Maley, Yeah, he had a, had a sausage tattooed on his toe. <laughs> now <really. laughs> I like him. Like sausage. That, yeah. Very very interesting <laughs> yeah. uh, calculus pr- uh, teacher. <clears throat> okay, anyway, so yes, he did encourage this trick, and, and it worked. It worked for me many times. Um, the, the thing was that I hadn't been thinking of the math problem or the game problem, um, <laughs> or this happens to me also when I'm, I'm writing or doing some scholarship or research. I wasn't thinking of it. I was sleeping, right? I wasn't trying to work out the problem. Your
1: conscious mind.
0: Ah. Mm-hmm. I won't have something quite figured out. I'll go away from it and then come back. And as soon as I pick it up, I've got the solution. Your brain is working on a problem while you're away from it. That's why people often have great ideas in the shower.
2: Oh, okay. Okay, now you're with me? Now I get it.
0: (laughs) When your conscious mind steps away from a problem, your subliminal mind continues to work it through with much greater resources than the small window Hmm. of your conscious mind can access.
4: Man, this is crazy, dude. (laughs) Yeah. I feel so like... It's like
0: that flashlight that's focused on that tiny corner suddenly just gets dropped down into the pool and can go anywhere.
4: Now
3: I'm like overthinking all of my existence because I'm just like... Because it happens when I play bass or something, too. Like, I just kind of... If I'm struggling with a part, it just kind of... I take a break and it just comes back Mm -hmm. and I'm there.
0: When you relax your consciousness, you can tap into your subliminal mind, which is much bigger and far-reaching in power and scope. And that subliminal mind can open onto a still bigger, universal, transcendent consciousness of all things everywhere. I just want to tell a couple quick stories about calculating prodigies. Um, one of the first recorded in the modern era was Zira Colburn, born in Cabot, Vermont. Cheese! Home of cheese.
2: Cabot oh, cheese! You got so excited. <laughs> in
0: 1804. I've
3: never seen you so it's excited. really good block cheese. It is.
0: His family thought he might be mentally disabled. Until at the age of six, he could, we don't find mental disabilities. No, I think she's laughing at the cheese still. Uh, no, it's just
3: that after she said the whole cheese thing, you... Oh, you started like, talking about mental disability.
0: We don't think enjoying cheese is a sign of mental disabilities I, oh. here on Occult Confessions. I don't know why. Until at the age of six, he correctly multiplied 13 and 97 in his head.
2: could not do that, no. no. You
4: asked me
0: to. Alright, son, that's impressive enough, I suppose. How about we try this.
1: What are the number of seconds in 2,000 years? No,
5: dear, that's much too hard. HUSH,
1: WOMAN! Let the boy answer.
5: You're putting too much pressure on him. I said... HUSH! 63 billion, 72 million seconds. Hot damn.
0: He took six seconds to give the number of hours in 38 years, two days and seven hours.
5: 332,935.
0: I'm guessing they picked that at random, or else that's a weirdly specific request to make of a seven-year-old. He also calculated what's called the sixth Fermat number, which is 2 to the 32nd power,
5: plus 1. 4,294,967,297. And
0: determined in his head that this wasn't a prime number and that its divisor is 641. More recently, Shakuntala Devi, known as the human computer, born in Bengaluru, India.
2: Oh, I think I watched this on a documentary. You did? Mm
0: Her father was meant to become a Brahmin priest, but joined the circus instead.
3: Wow, (laughs) Wow, that's a career change.
0: (laughs) He discovered Debbie's ability to memorize numbers while teaching her a card trick and took her on tour, showing off her skill. In 1977, she gave the 23rd root of a 201-digit number in 50 seconds. Her answer was confirmed by the UNIVAC... 1101 computer and they had to write a special program for the computer to even be able to do it in 1977 now your your like phone could do it no probably (laughs) there's too many numbers now your freaking desk lamp could do it while your refrigerator calculates a larger number (laughs) that's right in 1980 she multiplied two randomly selected 13 digit numbers correctly in 28 seconds With both Devi and Colburn, the mathematics are happening in regions of their minds that go well beyond the limits of what they're supposed to be able to consciously think in the moment. The speed with which they could conjure these results suggests a powerful flexing of the subliminal mind. We can't do this, right? But in seconds, they can produce these insane numerical results without calculators or paper or anything. Their minds can just do it. So their minds are the same as ours. Their brains are the same as ours in many ways. Like the differences between them are infinitesimally small. And yet they're able to achieve these genius feats. Wow. Oh. oh. I think counting prodigies are impressive because I only got as far as Calc 1. But mm. there are prodigies in every area of human endeavor. Painting, architecture, oh yeah, storytelling cake
3: mm-hmm.
0: i come up with these episodes in my sleep cake and write awesome. them with my eyes closed did you know that wow. no just close my eyes and you do, i do see you close your eyes quite and a lot cult when you're away. teaching a occult yeah. into the ether <laughs> uh that's where you go <laughs> uh so uh, just to wrap up here um how do you guys see genius and mysticism fitting into meyer's system partially partially okay so what what do you find most persuasive genius yeah yeah the okay. genius genius part. okay so um, why tell me about that a little bit
2: to me it, it just seems interesting because genius and mysticism seem like they shouldn't go together like genius is more of a scientific type of angle whereas mysticism to ah. me is a more not like supernatural but I guess a supernatural like, yeah divine a, that's, that's why the divine occurrence that's there why I'm
3: finding it difficult to like put words to what I'm thinking about this because there's just such a contrast to me
1: right right.
4: Oh, genius might feel a little bit. We might feel stronger about the geniuses because it's something that we've all experienced, in a way. Right. Yeah. And um, yeah okay. Uh, the mystic part is a little confusing to me because I mean I'm not religious in any sense, and I've never had a religious experience like that. And but I. have dealt with this genius thing a lot. Like, I feel like it helps solve all my problems.
0: Yeah, I know what numbers are, but what is God, Rob? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there's a testability to it, right? Um, yeah. If I ask you what this number is, and you come up with a number off the top of your head, then I can easily test and say, fine. But when Jacob Bohm comes back and says, this is the nature of good and evil, we're like, oh, fine. All right, I guess we have That's to take your I word for really
2: it. That's I
3: really
0: And words don't really do it justice.
1: I think language is a virus, Rob. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you and Laurie Anderson both, yeah. Uh, Olivia, what's uh, what's your perspective on this?
2: No, that's really what I was, I think, at the, my core trying to say. Like, genius is a, a thing that can make rational sense to a large group of people.
0: So you think mysticism is a bit of a distraction?
2: I think, uh, yeah. I think you don't even need to... I think you could have just stuck with genius.
0: Mysticism mm-hmm. is a, a muddy area.
2: It, yeah. That's what I think I was...
0: Which it, is fine. I think for yeah. our purposes, I think people need to know that that's part of this. But yeah, it's it's um, less convincing. Right? It's, yeah,
2: yeah it's uh, not I, I'm not, not sure
1: why easy. he deliberately kind of cut them up into two. I think that also...
0: It. Yeah, well, it's really yeah, not. I mean, that's us kind of picking those out because memories in there and apparitions of the living are also part of this. All of these are just points of evidence. You know, according like to Myers, necklace. they're all in the same place. They're all coming from that dark pool of consciousness. When we have a mystical experience, we're dropping into the dark pool. And that's the idea. Brianna does. You do astral projections. Yeah,
3: and that's why I also kind of have some issues with how they talk about the mystic thing because, in me, in my mind, that's how he described like the whole like God experience stuff. Like that's not.
0: You don't experience a pure consciousness. You mean?
3: It's not like that to me.
0: Well, you're sort of more in a mediumistic consciousness that you're seeking yeah. out points of also, information or
3: I wouldn't separate the two genius and mystic cuz to me there's some things that just kind of flow that I think Yeah, so be Brianna's
0: separated. seeing a different perspective on it that there is there's some consonance, there is things something. there
3: that like cuz to some degree for each they apply to each other. Yeah. yeah. It's
0: all going back into that dark pool. But yeah. I, I agree, Olivia. Some are more persuasive than others. I really like apparitions of the living as a guy who studies mediums and stuff mm-hmm. because those, those there's a point of evidence for mm-hmm. you. And it's, it's a direct point of evidence, mm-hmm. but it's also touching on something supernatural. Genius doesn't feel as supernatural. I think it still has supernatural components to it because I can't do the kind of stuff that these accounting prodigies can do. But if you say you saw your dead sister and you know how she died and you know facts about her death and you weren't physically present for it and no one told you about it, but you have this information nevertheless, We've got them sort of veridical test, and also we have something supernatural happening.
2: Mm-hmm. That's easier to get behind than yeah. I had a vision from God. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what I don't agree with. <laughs> if you haven't read Jacob Bohm yet, I suggest you go home and Google the man because I think Maybe he's right I up your need alley. To because... yeah. <laughs> I think you might be a theosophist at heart. All right, Olivia, <laughs> bring us on home, man.
2: Oh God, sorry. I just felt so messed up by this episode that I had a moment where I was like, what are we doing? Yeah, um, take so a moment. Take we, a breath yeah. and,
0: and then close us down.
2: We the secret. Oh, I now you're doing this. That's, that's the beginning. You're <laughs> starting us over. I think I just broke. We, we have broke to hereby you. My do mind a just thing. fragmented. You have to
0: hereby do something.
2: I hereby adjourn. And declare closed this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors until such a time as we get together and do it again.
0: Ho, ho! Are we gonna right.
2: say hi
3: right now? Hi,
1: uh,
0: hi. <laughs> uh,
3: so, uh, we
0: encourage you to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't yet. We've got one more episode in our series on the soul. Uh, if you'd like to go back, we've got a series on uh, lady magic. Yeah. vaginas and things and vaginas also and on the American occult and uh, next series we'll be covering black magic so go ahead and click that subscribe button we would love to continue speaking with you uh, and if you could uh, give us a, a, a nice rating mm. on, on the iTunes all or of the don't forget Ooh, to look at Facebook. our social media yeah what's going on with that
2: we've got a Facebook um, which you can look up just by looking at occult confessions and we have a Twitter which is going to be podcast occult is going to be the handle um and then we also have an Instagram, which what is the actual a cult confession? It's just a cult confession.
1: Cult confessions.
0: confessions. Wow. Easy enough. Yeah. Uh, and uh, today we had the voices of uh everybody? Was it is it everybody? Yeah. Uh, we had Shannon Landers, we had uh, Gracie Jordan, Jacob Wheatley, Brandon Walls. And joining us in at the at the table here, we have uh, James Complanges.
1: Hello, or goodbye,
0: rather. <laughs> yes, Savannah Verrett. Goodbye. Brianna Literal. Bye. And, as usual, Olivia Literal. Bye. My name is Rob. You have been listening to Occult Confessions. We'll see you for our last episode in two weeks on the quantum soul.
2: I'm going to die.